welcome to the JSGC Policy Podcast. Earlier this summer, Joint State released the second annual report of the Election Law Advisory Board. This is the first of two episodes focusing on these reports. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Susan Elder, and here at Joint State, we research policy topics in Pennsylvania and discuss them on this podcast. I'm here today with Glenn Pasowitz, who is our executive director at Joint State. Hello, Susan. And Brian DeWalt, our sound engineer and co-host. Hi, everyone. Glad to be back. And today we're joined by Yvonne Hirsch, who is our project manager. Hello. Hello and welcome, Yvonne. Glenn, before we go any further, do you want to give us any remarks about ELAB, the Election Law Advisory Board, and these reports? Sure, Susan. I I think one of the most important aspects that we've learned and that we've witnessed as part of this whole process is that the board is made up of a number of people that are elected officials, that are appointed to the board by elected officials. And I think if you were going to take say the top three most important issues in the country today, elections would certainly be one of those top three. And everybody who's involved in the system has opinions on it. And yet when this board gets together, it's collegial, it's cooperative. They don't fight. They don't argue. Everybody really is working together to try to put together the recommendations that are going to move the ball forward and help Pennsylvania, help the legislature come up with a system that works for everybody. Yvonne, this is such a broad topic, and there's a fair bit of legislation or court action ongoing. Can you briefly mention what aspects of election law this report focuses on? We looked at multiple issues. Our recommendations revolve around maintaining voter registration lists, training for election officials and poll workers. We also did some recommendations that are more statutory cleanup in that they're not really changing the law, but they are updating the law to make it consistent with court opinions that have found portions of the law unconstitutional. And that in particular applies to voter identification and the issue of the voting rights of formerly incarcerated individuals. We kind of ended up focused on those topics for this set of recommendations. The the field is huge. There's constant activity. Like you said, there has been legislation passed in Pennsylvania in the last month. There are ongoing court cases that may change the direction of some of the issues we're working on. It's really in flux, and we have tried to isolate individual issues where we felt comfortable that we can make definitive recommendations. Thanks, Yvonne. So Yvonne, could you give us a quick sketch of what some of the strains are on the election system in Pennsylvania? Certainly. The last couple of years have been stressful for election officials, to put it mildly. We had legislation enacted that authorized mail-in ballots that went into effect shortly before the pandemic set in. So you had counties working on new procedures that they had not experienced before. They ran into issues with the Postal Service and how long it was taking for applications for mail-in ballots to arrive, be returned to the voter, the voter filling out the ballot and getting it out. There were people who would send a mail-in ballot and they would miss 
of the election day deadline, even though they had mailed it in two weeks before because the mail had been so slow. And then you have the issues of how to fund the elections and who's paying for them. The counties are generally responsible for that. And some counties are in a better position financially than others to do that. And then you have the whole question of workforce. A lot of poll workers tend to be retirees and elderly, and COVID really drove them away from their positions. As a whole, you also had election officials who became overwhelmed with all the issues surrounding the 2020 presidential election. And so a lot of them retired or resigned. And so there's a dearth of institutional knowledge in a lot of the county election bureaus. It's been a lovely mix of things that have exacerbated the situation. So given all of these issues laid out that this board has to tackle, can you tell us how you organize them into work groups? Certainly. One of the first things we did as a group was poll the advisors to ask them to provide their top three issues that they were most concerned about, that they considered the highest priority of the various issues that exist. When we got those lists together, we ranked them according to the interest expressed by the number of different people, made them then our priority list. And then we, again, pulled the advisory committee and asked them to identify two committees that they would prefer to be on if they couldn't be on all the work groups. From that process We got our groups, which were obtaining and processing mail-in ballots, election officials and workers, voter registration, and in-person voting. And then our work groups were formed around those topics on the basis of interest of the members. So those work groups are set, they have maintained even as you've put out reports, or they change? They currently exist, but they only existed for this past year's report. I anticipate them evolving. Some of them may continue because there are still issues within that topic area that need to be further explored. Others have pretty fully addressed from our perspective what we can offer. So those are probably going to morph into other related topics that we'll be looking at. There are so many areas. And because we're dealing with a consolidated statute and a pamphlet law statute, one of which was passed in 1937 and has had multiple, multiple amendments. The statutes are massive and sometimes circular and sometimes redundant and sometimes obsolete. So we're trying to pick our topics in a very narrow range so that we can do something meaningful within a confined area because to tear the whole act apart and rewrite it at one time, we'd be doing this forever and I'm not sure I could ever coordinate it appropriately. Yvonne, we're talking about all these different topics and and issues that are popping up. And I know that the eLab and our staff here at the commission keep a close watch on what other states are doing with election law and their election processes. How have other states' initiatives influenced what is happening here in Pennsylvania? There have been times when other states have written the perfect statute on other topics that we have tracked 
and used here at the commission. In election law, we haven't done that. Our tracking of other states is as intensive as it is in any other state, but it's more to see what new innovations are working and what are not working, where problems are coming in. One of the things that we'll be hitting in our next meeting, spoiler alert, mail-in ballots, is to look at other states and that have mail-in ballots and to see what kind of problems they've run into with process and procedure as in an effort to try to avoid making the same mistakes other places have. One of the other things we do with other state information is look at how the courts are interpreting some of the new election reform legislation. Every state has its own constitution. So what's constitutional in one state may not be constitutional in another. But at the federal level, we want to be aware of what is being questioned and criticized and what is working well. And it generally gives us good background to look into aspects of what we're doing. I want to say it's Wisconsin. One of the states started talking about basically disenfranchising certain people with disabilities and by doing maintenance list purges. That was something that we really hadn't thought about being an issue. So now we're looking, again, more from a background perspective. We haven't presented this to the board yet. So this is at the staff level, looking at how Pennsylvania supports voting rights of people with disabilities and intellectual disabilities, mental illness. There's a real array across the country on that. And Pennsylvania is actually pretty mellow from what we're seeing so far in that they're not particularly hostile to people with disabilities. But that's the kind of thing we pick up from another state and we say, hey, that's a potential issue. Let's look at that, see how Pennsylvania works with that, and see if it's anything we need to worry about. Thanks, Yvonne. Earlier, you had mentioned voting of formerly incarcerated individuals. Could you give us a little bit of an understanding of that policy issue and how the report treats that? Under federal law, you cannot permanently disenfranchise a person who was convicted of a felony. It has to have a time limit. And Pennsylvania's statute was indefinite. And so what the courts came down and said, those provisions are not constitutional, which is fine. And an attorney doing research who would do thorough research would find that statute and then find the case law that declared it unconstitutional. But it's still on our books, still in our pamphlet laws. And because we don't have a complete codification of our statutes, it's hard to find provisions like that. So our goal and one of our directives in our authorizing statute is to clean up old and obsolete information. So that really falls into that category where we're going in, we're pulling Department of State already on their website has the correct rules and how long you are disenfranchised and how you get your voting rights back and all of that. 
but the statute doesn't say it. So what we've done is amended the statute to pull out the unconstitutional and replace it with what is the practice in Pennsylvania now anyway. So it's making Pennsylvania law in agreement with existing federal statute and current Pennsylvania practice. Mm -hmm. Yep. The report recommends that the Department of State access national databases to ensure that voter registration lists are up to date. Can you help us understand what this would involve and what might some of the benefits be? Certainly. One of the problems that's been identified in Pennsylvania with our voter registrations is that there have been deceased individuals who are still on the active voting list, that that information has not been updated. Auditor General did a report several years ago now. There was also litigation about requiring Pennsylvania to purge those roles. And one of the things Pennsylvania has done is join the ERIC system, but it's electronic registration. It's nationwide. About two-thirds of the states participate in it. And we joined that, but we joined it on a voluntary basis. So it's our membership is contingent on who the governor is and if they're willing to continue to participate in that project. The other issue is that there is a very limited number of ways that the county and the Department of State can find the information on deceased voters, that it's limited to obituaries, court filings, one or two other issues that delays the transmittal of the information, and sometimes the information is lost about deceased voters. So the recommendation has been is that Pennsylvania statutorily join these registration list organizations so that we always have the ability and it is not going to vary from administration to administration. Um, Another uh, source that currently isn't authorized in Pennsylvania is the Social Security Administration death index. So that is a resource that we really don't have access to right now. So we want to try to get into those national databases, but then we also wanted to be able to expand where the counties could obtain information about deaths of voters. One of the issues that has come up is that not everybody prints an obituary anymore on on the death of a person. Newspaper advertising, well, the number of print newspapers have gone down, but even with the online, the advertising to post an obituary can be very expensive and some families can't afford to do that. So it's not the resource that it might've been 50 years ago to find out deaths. In the same way with, if somebody probates an estate, the information can be obtained that way, but with different estate planning techniques and stuff, you're not always probating those estates either. So the idea is to get into some databases that ought to have virtually everybody listed in them. So that's what we're looking for, to be able to to make sure those voter lists are up to date, that we aren't having deceased 
voters listed as qualified to vote. I mean, just recently, a woman was sentenced to jail because she submitted and signed her mother's name to a mail-in ballot when her mother had died the month before the election. But nobody knew, or at least not within the system of records. So the idea generally is to prevent any anything like that, but also being able for when you get an application, either to register to vote or to, to get an absentee or mail-in ballot, that you can pull up these lists and know that they're current to be able to verify if the taxpayer is still among the living. It's time for us to wrap up our discussion today. This is the first half of our discussion on election law in the state of Pennsylvania. If you're interested in looking at joint state's report on election law, you'll find that link in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Yvonne. Certainly looking forward to uh, part two, lots more to talk about. Next episode, we'll focus on pre-canvassing and mail-in balloting in the Commonwealth. The music for our podcast is by Joseph McDade. Thanks all and have a great day.